0: I spoke one Sunday on the radical power of fasting. And then Pastor Andrew spoke two Sundays on radical devotion. I spoke last Sunday on radical prayer. Let's read our text. I'm reading in Luke 17, verse 11. Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Remember that. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him... Ten men who were lepers who stood afar off, and they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourselves to the priest. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. Interesting. So Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to them, or to him, Arise, go your way, your faith has made you well. Now the King James says, In place of your faith has made you well, It says your faith has made you whole as do a number of other translations. And that is significant because it is obvious that he was more than just healed. It is implied in the text because if all 10 were healed and made well, this man returns now and receives something in addition to being made well. He is made whole. That's another level altogether. He received something the nine who did not come back to give thanks failed to receive. Tell someone who is near you, don't be one of the nine. Would you do that right now? Come on, I want to hear you say, don't be one of the nine. I want to speak this morning from this subject stuck on thanksgiving and set on gratitude. Father, would you please speak with us this morning and open your word to our understanding. Impact us with the truth of your word. We ask for your glory in Jesus' name. And everybody shouted and said, Amen. Amen. One of the things that I've observed through the years is that people who are fervent, radical, is the word that we might would use. Everybody's talking about being radical for something today and the world in which we live. If you are radical or fervent in your passion for God, inevitably you are also a person who is thankful for all that God has done for them. You see, people who are passionate about God get stuck on Thanksgiving and their hearts become fixed on gratitude and frankly, I can't think of a better way to live or one that pleases God more. If there's anything that you should get stuck on in life, it is stuck on giving thanks. Stuck on giving thanks. Now, what I'm about to say next may seem strange to you, but but many people look at thanksgiving differently. They're content to merely say thank you for the many blessings that you've given me, Lord. And then they move on to something else. And I'm not saying you shouldn't say thank you. How many of you have ever been to a business where when you went in, you could tell by the attitude of the cashier or the clerk that that you were interrupting his day. And he went to the counter and never so much or she never so much as smiled, said hello. How's the weather? Kiss my foot. Anything just looked at you and glared as... Though to say, well, you know, no one enjoys an experience like that. And frankly, in today's post-COVID world, where so many businesses have failed, a little courtesy goes a long way in making your customers feel appreciated and causing them to be loyal. Amen. I was, went by a place yesterday where someone was so kind and courteous. And I, I made it a point. To, to give an extra tip to the person that helped me When I picked up an order to go It's just good manners to be polite It's courteous to be polite One of the things you learn in psychology Is there's often a reason behind why people are not courteous They feel powerless in their life This might help you understand them And not not take it a little harshly whenever They are not courteous. Sometimes people are so beat up by life that they feel the only measure of control they have is over you. And so when you come, they will not be polite or courteous just to put you off a little bit to let you know I'm controlling this situation. It's the same reason some folk will not move over if you try to merge in traffic. Seriously, there's a reason behind that. They don't know what they're communicating to you is that... I'm not doing all that well in life, and I feel pretty low on who I am. But that's how they're—that's what they're communicating. Same reason somebody can see you coming and then walk slowly out in the street right in front of you. They're letting—I'm serious. They're letting you know I can control this situation. I'm not as powerless as life is trying to make me feel. You see, but kindness and. Thankfulness are more than just acts of gratitude and politeness. Amen. You need to go beyond just being polite and and learn to have, as it were, a heart that is full of gratitude all of the time. I found out you can say thank you with your lips and still have a negative attitude on the inside. You can look at somebody and say come again and you can still go around filled with negativity and acting like you are a victim. You can develop a victim's mentality even though you're saying the right thing, you're communicating something else. I read the other day that we who live in America are only four and one half percent of the world's population And yet we're better off than 92% of the people who live on this planet. Amen. We are in the top 8% of humanity. The poorest 20%, I read this the other day, of Americans are better off than most nations in Europe. I want you to think about how profound that statistic is. We of all people should be stuck on thanks and set on gratitude. Amen. And I I need to define that for just a moment because when something is stuck or set, it means that it is determined, it is concentrated on, it is fixed on something. I was talking about just a moment ago the need for parking and concrete. And if you know anything about it, concrete is a semi-liquid and it can be poured and shaped. But once it sets, it's there. It isn't going anywhere. It remains set in the way it was placed and formed to fulfill its purpose. And when your heart is set on Thanksgiving, it doesn't get moved away from that just because you're going through a few bad circumstances in life. Because you will go through some rough places in this fallen world that we live in. I wonder if somebody would agree with what I just said and say, amen. you got to set your heart on Thanksgiving. And you got to determine to have gratitude. In Acts chapter 3, the Bible tells us that Peter fixed his eyes on the lame man at the gate. And then said to him, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I unto thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. One of the most important things you can learn in life, and it is a secret of success, regardless of whether your endeavor is financial, physical, spiritual, family, or whatever it might be, if you can set your focus on something, you can succeed. Amen. And really, gratitude is the, can I say it, attitude of heaven. In Revelation eleven seventeen, 17, the 24 elders are on their faces in heaven crying out, We give you thanks, O Lord God Almighty, the one who is, who was, and who is to come. Gratitude is the attitude of heaven. Or let me say it like this if you've got hell going on in your life and the devil's having a field day with you, why don't you learn to begin to give God some gratitude and import a little of heaven into your life? Because it will squeeze the hell right out of your life. Amen. The context of our story is significant. Jesus passes through Samaria and Galilee. Many of the inhabitants of that region were a blend of foreign peoples who had settled there, bringing with them their mixture of religious beliefs after they had been invaded by the Assyrian Empire and the inhabitants had been carried away to captivity. Because of this mixture, this syncretism of religious beliefs, they were looked down upon by polite, orthodox, religious Jewish society. In Jerusalem and the people of that area, people more closely adhered to the teachings of Moses and the law. However, Jesus was from Galilee. It was the home of our Lord for the first 30 years of his life. Of the 32 parables, we have record of Jesus speaking. In the four gospels, 19 of them were spoken while he was in Galilee. Of the 37 great and notable miracles that we read that he did, that doesn't count all those that are not written, That we have record of him performing as near as we can tell 30 or so of them were performed in Galilee. That includes the first miracle which was at the wedding in Cana where he turned water into wine. In fact, the last miracle that we have record of Jesus performing, which was done after his resurrection, was also done in the province of Galilee on uh, on the shores of the lake or the Sea of Galilee. It was also while he was in Galilee that Jesus delivered the sermon on the mount, gave us the Beatitudes. It was while he was in Galilee that he called his first disciples of the twelve disciples. Only one of them was not from Galilee. It is also where the father of a demon possessed boy pleaded with Jesus to deliver him from the demonic spirit that cast his son into the water and into the fire and Jesus did so. Galilee is where the Mount of Transfiguration was at, where Jesus was transfigured. And so it is is appropriate to say that Galilee played a significant role in the ministry of Jesus Christ. And it was while he was there that 10 lepers came to him. Now, leprosy in the Bible was a hideous and horrific Disease It caused bumps to appear on your body that turned into sores and externally fingers and toes and even sometimes hands and feet would fall off. Internally, what began as an external skin disorder soon worked its way on the inside, dissolving bone structure, destroying nerve endings and attacking vital organs. Leprosy was a dreaded and feared disease. It was highly communicable. And if you were diagnosed with leprosy, you were automatically ostracized from your community and even from your own family. The Jewish historian Josephus tells us that lepers were considered to be no different than a corpse. I want you to think about that. The rabbis referred to them as the living dead. If you had leprosy, no one could get within 12 feet of where you were. You had to call unclean, I'm unclean, I'm unclean. Here's what leprosy looks like. If they've got the photo ready, they can put it on the screen. What a terrible thing to have happened to your daughter. Think about that. Here's another picture of leprosy. In some parts of the world, it is still fairly common. I've been to leper colonies in India, for example. I, I probably should have warned you that it was going to be that that graphic and that disturbing. You can take it down now. But I want you to imagine 10 men disfigured like this with fingers missing, toes missing. It was horrible. This type of leprosy was obvious, obviously much more virulent than what we call leprosy today. It, had, it has since then mutated into something not as deadly, kind of like COVID when it first came out has now mutated into Omicron, which is not as deadly as what it was back then. Omicron now is more like a flu, kind of a watered down uh, type of flu. The modern leprosy or what we call Hansen's disease can actually be cured with a cocktail of antibiotics and steroids. But there was no cure for what you just saw on that screen a moment ago. And I want you to notice that these 10 people hung out together. There's something about us that when we have drama going on in our lives, have you noticed we like to hang around other folk with the same drama going on in theirs we have a phrase for it and it goes like this misery loves company yeah that's right amen and if you find yourself surrounded by people that are always creating drama you might ought to go home and look in the mirror and ask what you're doing too amen The tragedy of this is that these men could not help each other. Can you imagine their conversations? All their conversations would have done would have been to make things worse. I mean, I miss my family. I can't work on a job. Another finger just fell off. I mean, if you're not careful, you can talk yourself into a worse circumstance than you're already in. Proverbs eighteen. 21 says the power of life and death is in the tongue So you don't need to fall into the trap of speaking death over your own life When they saw Jesus afar off, they cried out with a loud voice and they cried two things They cried this, Jesus And they cried, Master Amen You see, they weren't looking for a mortal to fix their problem. They weren't looking for the church or the pastor, or the banker, or the attorney. There's some things you need God's help in resolving. I wish I could hear a better amen. So they said, Jesus. And the second thing they did is they cried, Master, if you're going to get your situation fixed at some point in your life, you need to recognize the authority of the one that we're talking about Here this morning who is the only one that can deliver you out of some of the dilemmas you're going to get in in your lifetime. You can't just go to him whenever things are really bad. And then him not have authority over your life the rest of the time. I'm preaching better than you're responding. He has to be master of your life all of the time. Or he's not master of your life Any. Of the time The ten lepers pleaded for mercy Help us Lord And we all need mercy I wonder if there's anybody in this building today That needs God's mercy in their life I'm going to raise both hands and one foot Because that's all I can raise at one time I need the mercy of God Mercy is the undeserved favor and compassion Amen of our Lord It's when you deserve one thing, but you end up getting another. Am I talking to somebody in this house? All of us are here today because we needed great mercy. Amen. We didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. We have mercy because God in his infinite kindness gave it to us. Can I be real with you? It was mercy that made you survive covid I thought I'd get a better amen from some parts of the crowd. It was mercy that you didn't lose your mind going through that divorce. It was mercy that got you another job when that business closed down. It was mercy that saw you through a dilemma. It was mercy that you were healed of cancer. Somebody ought to give the Lord a praise break right now. Hallelujah. It was the mercy of God. You didn't get killed in an accident or that you weren't killed in a club or a ballroom. It was the mercy of God that you didn't die of a heart condition. It's God's mercy that we're still here right now. Do you anybody here who realizes mercy is the only reason you've made it this far? And I want you to notice that when they asked for mercy that Jesus gave them instructions. Now this is so interesting because for many people, he just healed them on the spot. But for these 10 lepers, he gave them instructions. Now that's significant, amen. Instead of just healing them, he said, I want you to go do something. I want you to show yourself to the priest. And so many times we pray for God to intervene in our lives. And we want to see his promises fulfilled. But how many of you do I need to remind that between the promise and the provision, there's also the prerequisite. A little bit quieter right there. Lord, I'll just stand on your promises at maybe where you spend the rest of your life. Because you don't just stand on the promises, there are some prerequisites involved if you want the promise to be fulfilled and the provision to be made. In this case, it was go. Go. You can't stay here. Go. Show yourself to the priest. How many of you are praying for promotion and elevation and the Lord saying, go. Go. Go back to university, go. Go back to the vocational school, go. So that when the opportunity arises, you will be equipped to be put in that promotion. But therein is also a problem. There was a significant problem with Jesus's instructions. Did you catch it? He said, go show yourself to the priest. But wait a minute, whoa, 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 time out, time out. You see, because once you were diagnosed with leprosy, you could not go to the temple anymore. You were forbidden to enter the temple. Once you had leprosy, you could not go to the priest until you were cured. And you had to go to the priest because he had to confirm your healing before you could reintegrate into society again. And so... Jesus tells them, go show yourself to the priest. And they're saying, but but we're not even allowed to go to the priest. And, And at some point, you've got to step out on crazy faith when you're walking with God and do what God said, even when there is no visible external sign that anything is working for you. Sometimes the only thing you've got to go on is an instruction from God. But how many of you know that when Jesus sent them, he knew that while they were on their way, they would be healed. Mm, I feel like preaching right now. While they were on their way. They didn't get to their journey and then get healed. It was while they were walking it out. It's when you're walking out the promises of God that the miracles occur. You can't always go by what you see or what you feel. You've got to put your confidence in God Almighty to do what he said he was going to do. Hmm. Their miracle was tied to their obedience. Woo. And if all you do is sit waiting for the miracle to come, it might never ne- ne- show up. Keep on standing on the promises when you ought to be walking towards your provision. Mm, just obey. Now this is important because the journey is a, is a significant part of what God does in our lives. He doesn't do everything instantaneously. God is in the processes. Oh, yes, he is. And so you're praying for your marriage to be fixed, but nothing happens. And you got to keep walking it out. And while you're on your way, that's when your marriage is fixed and you're praying for your finances and nothing happens right away. Lord, I need a breakthrough. Nothing happens. You got to walk it out and keep on believing God. Hello, somebody. You might be suffering in your body, With illness, but you got to keep walking it out. Amen. And you got to keep saying by his stripes, I know I'm healed. Says it in the word of God. The devil's a liar. God is truth. God does not ever say anything that isn't correct. His word is forever settled in the heavens. I know I'm on my way to a miracle. I'm going to just keep walking it out. And what happened next is astonishing. It's as they went, they were healed. The raw, ugly sores dried up and disappeared. And I don't know how it happened. If one of them looked at the other one and said, whoa, 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 let me see. That big, big lump you had on the side of your, it's not there anymore. And they looked at each other and all 10 of them had been healed. The ravages of this horrific disease had been stopped. I need you to turn to somebody and tell them, keep looking for what God has promised you. Would you do that right now? In fact, I need you to tell somebody I'm going to keep looking. Come on, one more time. I say it like you mean it, like you hear at church at Inspire this morning. I'm going to keep looking. Can you imagine the electricity that went through these 10 men? The excitement. One said, the leprosy, it's gone on you. I don't see it anymore. And the guy looked at and said, and then looked at him and said, it's gone on you too. And all 10 of them were healed. And they started walking faster. At least nine of them did. And they noticed that one of them isn't going with them any further. And they turn around and say, aren't you coming with us? He said, go show yourself to the priest. And the woman said, I got something I got to do first. They said, what you got to do? I'm going to go back and thank him for what he just did for me. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah oh but you, don't, you 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 don't you don't get it man you haven't been with your family in years you need to come with us and go show yourself to the priest i'm going to the priest i can't wait for him to say i'm clean so i can go home tonight and sleep in my own bed and be with my family and another one said, me too. I hadn't, I hadn't made money in years. I've stood on the side of this dirty road begging. I'm going back to my business and making money and taking care of my property. And, and somebody else said, these smelly, dirty clothes that I'm wearing. I, I've worn these for years. I got some suits hanging in my closet. I'm gonna, I can't wait to get to the priest and then go home and take a bath and, and put on something decent. But the one man said, y'all go ahead if that's what you want to do. Y'all go ahead, look at somebody and tell someone, go on, go on, go do what you want to do, go right on. But I'm going to be a thanksgiver. I, I got something in my mind. I'm talking to somebody. I want to tell you how to live in the radical zone. Jesus looks up. And sees one man coming back. And from a distance that man begins to shout in a loud voice. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You see here's the problem. Whatever you don't turn into praise will often turn itself into pride. You get to thinking I did it. Look what I did. Oh, I didn't know if I could get through that, but I, I got it together. And the next thing you can—you know, you can turn something into pride that ought to have been turned into praise. And let me talk to the rest of us as I'm just about done. There's something in the church that's called spiritual amnesia. Yeah, uh-oh. An uh uh-oh belong right there. We forget what God's done for us. We don't thank him because we're not set on Thanksgiving. We're not stuck on Thanksgiving. Amen. And what we ought to do is be sure we never forget what he did. Last Sunday, I had Brian Dockstater up here. What you don't know, this is the backside of that story. In the 11 o'clock service, Brian testified, just had a double lung transplant. He had had a cystic fibrosis condition develop in his lungs and, and then was hit with COVID and just about wiped his lungs out. And, and Brian lingered at the point close to death for, for uh, over a year and then finally got a double lung transplant. And last Sunday was, his, well, the Sunday before that was his first service to be back because I had to ask his permission before I called him up last Sunday. But what you don't know in the backstory story is that he sent me a text and he said, Pastor, the doctor just said I can drive again and I can mingle and go be with people and I want to be in the house of God Sunday. He said, that's the first place I want to go. Why? thankful you think as long as he lives he's ever going to forget that what god did for him i look out here and i see my friend my friend patrick peters patrick you and your family stand up if you would right i've known them all the way back to the days of the black eyed pea at interstate 10 yeah wonderful people these are my friends amen fellow louisianans we're like family patrick is an incredible chef what you don't know is patrick had a knee replaced And had to have it done six times because a staph infection set up in there. And do you know once they got that staph infection cleared out, you know come Sunday morning where Patrick Peters and his family are going to be? Right there in the house of God unless there's a compelling reason for them not to be. Why? I need somebody to shout it out and say thankful. Come on. Thankful. When you realize what God has done for you, you spend the rest of your life giving God praise and thanksgiving. Come on and give God some praise in this house. Is there anybody that God has been good to? Bless your name. Bless your name. Somebody ought to say, he brought me from a long way. He brought me out of the mire. He picked me up out of the mud. God turned my life around. God delivered me. Somebody break that clock back there. God bless you and you may be seated. Patrick is an excellent chef. He brought some sauces by Some seasonings by this week If you're lucky enough to get your hands on them And you ought to seek him out You'll thank me afterward because you did Amen They're in stores And they're that good Of these ten men One was stuck On thanksgiving And set on gratitude The others had other things to do I'm not talking to anybody am Oh, I'm glad he saved me, but come Sunday morning, that's my day to rest. I I would go to church, but we've got some plans. When you get stuck on thanksgiving and set on gratitude, do you know what I'm talking about? Nobody will talk you out of giving God the worship and the praise that he deserves in your life. Jesus asked him where are the nine and I'm done. I can almost hear him answer. I don't know. I don't know where they are. That's not what I'm focused on. Doesn't matter to me if they come or don't come. I'm gonna be here to worship God. Now I thank God for the way we're growing. But in today's world, you're going to be tugged on by a lot of different attitudes and beliefs and culture is going to try to rob you of your relationship with God. And some sadly are going that direction. But what you've got to do is say by the help of God, I'm going to be stuck on gratitude for the rest of my life. He's done too much for me. And what is the reward of being stuck on Thanksgiving and set on gratitude? Jesus told that man, your faith made you, come on, let me hear you say it. What? I didn't hear anybody. Somebody, come on, somebody else shouted out. I want the, I want everybody in the risers to hear it. What? Whole, one man got made whole. You saw that lady? that man, can you put one of those photos back up there again? Is it anybody back there that can do that for me? No fingers. So many times no toes. Ugly sores all over their body. You know what happened? The difference in this one man and the other nine. The sores disappeared. But they left with nubs. This man was made... Oh, are you seeing what I'm talking about? God doesn't want to just stop the ravages of sin in your life. God wants to restore everything the devil robbed you of. God wants to restore your joy. The one man received a creative miracle. All because he went back to say thank you. Thank you. So how do you go beyond healing to receive wholeness? First, you've got to take your situation to Jesus. Second, you've got a purpose to walk in obedience. No matter what he tells you to do. Go see the priest. Uh, Lord, I can't go anyway. I'll work it out by the time you get there. Keep believing, number three, even when you can't see the evidence of it. You're walking and nothing's going on and saying, looks to me like I'm wasting my time. You never waste your time when you're obeying what God has told you to do with your life. You never waste your time. And number four, be stuck on Thanksgiving and set on gratitude. Keep giving God thanks. You said, but you don't know the diagnosis I just got. I didn't say to thank him for the diagnosis, but i tell you something you can thank him for. Thank you for the stripes on your back because I'm healed by those stripes. Thank you for the blood. Thank you because you were wounded for my transgressions and bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was laid upon you, and by your stripes I am healed. Thank you. I don't see it yet, but I'm walking it out. And finally, number five, would you stand? Remember where he brought you from some of us look real nice this morning here in the house of God some of y'all dressed up wasn't always that way was it living in a nice house driving a nice car you remember where God brought you from Do you remember? You need to remember the pit from which you were digged and the rock from which you were hewn. Isaiah said,